It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 5th, 2020. My name is Phil Prosser, and I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at underscore omd On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we will discuss the Orlando Magic's 120-109 to loss to the Indiana Pacers. And talk about why this game was just so disappointing on so many levels and why it's a sign that the team's problems are still very, very present. And this is not a Jonathan Isaac issue either. We'll talk about all that coming up in just a moment. But before we do, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're searching for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Indiana Pacers perspective of this game? Check out Locked On Pacers. They do a great job. I've been listening back to a few episodes of theirs recently. You can also check out our good friends at Locked On Raptors to get ready for Wednesday's game against the Toronto Raptors. No matter what team you cheer for, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, college, or MLB2, there's a Locked On podcast for you. Just search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. From the moment this game started, the Magic were seemingly in a hole. First possession was a turnover, an uncharacteristic turnover on a pet play by the Orlando Magic. They like running this this high-low set with Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon. They usually get get Aaron Gordon a a touch close to the basket, get him a basket early. Kind of sets the tone for everything. And so a turnover certainly set the tone. So too did the transition basket or the quick basket that the Pacers scored on the other end. And then the next one, and the next one, and the next one. The Pacers had scored the first 10 points of the game before the Magic could even blink. And Orlando, while getting some decent looks, just seemed out of whack. Just seemed a bit stuck in the mud. Just seemed unable to find the pace and rhythm and tempo that gave them a dominant start against the Kings on Sunday and and really pushed them to a big win over the Nets on Friday. Pacers are a much better team than the Nets or the Kings, with all due respect to those teams. They're playing at a significantly higher level. This was a true test, and we're going to talk about why failing this test is not a good thing for the Orlando Magic for for a lot of reasons, or a sign of some, some bigger concerns for this team. But the Magic kept falling deeper and deeper into the hole, and by the time they finally regained control, It was too late, or at least too late against a quality team like the Pacers, or too late for the way the Magic were playing because the Magic never really got out of the hole they dug themselves. The Pacers shot better than 70% in the first quarter and scored 41 points. It's 41 to 20 after the first quarter. 
the Magic never really challenged. The Magic never really got close. The Magic never made a serious push for the lead. They got to as close as 12 in the third quarter. They cut it down to nine, like with a minute to go. They got beat up. They got beat down in the same way that they punched first against the Kings. The Pacers punched first and never let the Magic truly get up. Yes, if you're looking for a moral victory, if you're looking for some silver lining, the Magic won the the next three quarters by 10 points. Whoop-dee-doo. Whoop-dee-frickin-doo. The reality is if you watched this game, you knew the Magic didn't stand a chance. That the Magic were always kept at arm's length. Never a serious threat. So yes, Orlando kept fighting. It didn't become a 40-point route. It never got to 30. It never became a true, complete blowout. Orlando fought back. They did some better things. They got better as the game went on. That's not what matters anymore. And that's, that's the most important thing that comes out of this. The Magic were down 21, playing the exact opposite way that they had played so successfully in the previous two games. And never gave themselves the chance to win. Yes, you know, there were some good moments. I'm not, I won't lie about that. Aaron Gordon, I thought, you know, we'll dive into the box score again in a minute, but Aaron Gordon, I thought, had some really strong moments. Um, I, I felt like he was probably the one player on the team that gave an all-out effort the entire time. But that's not enough. And Aaron's effort was, it honestly felt like it was out of frustration. Someone had to try and carry this team, and it was going to be Aaron Gordon on this night. It didn't get others involved. It didn't create sustainable ways to play and sustainable ways to get back into the game. And that was doubly true because the Magic's defense just never got itself under control. TJ Warren hit his first eight shots in the game, continued his hot streak to score 32 points. The Magic defense, though, was a sieve. TJ McConnell made a living in the paint. Malcolm Brogdon got loose along the baseline. Um, The Pacers, not a strong three-point shooting team or not a heavy three-point shooting team, got open threes. No one could blame them for for making, no one could blame them for taking them. And essentially, at every position, at every key position, the Magic got beat. Steve Clifford, after the game, said, this effort was unacceptable. This effort is not who this team is, and he was disappointed in them. He said to the media that, you know, obviously we're not in the building. It was like we were mindless out there. This is not the time of the year for these kinds of statements. This is not the time of the year to be really working. I mean, obviously, you're working a little bit on your fundamentals because we, had, we, we just came off a training camp. But this Magic team should know a whole lot better. This Magic team should be playing with a little bit more urgency. A little bit more physicality that, yes, sometimes you're going to play a really good team, and, and the Pacers are a good team, fifth in the East. You're going to play a good team, you're going to get punched in the mouth, and you've got to be able to withstand that and punch back. Orlando got off to a sluggish start. Okay, whatever. Missed some open shots early, Pacers took advantage, got in transition, built a little bit of a lead. Punch back, get back into the game. That punch never came. Maybe a few light jabs throughout the course of the game to 
make you think, oh, maybe if the Magic could get this to 15 by the half or to 10. That, that never came. That never happened. That, that, that didn't happen. The Magic went out with a whimper in a game that they needed to win. With the, with the Nets beating the Bucks in an upset uh, with Giannis Antetokounmpo and, and Chris Middleton sitting on the bench, Orlando gave up the seventh seed, at least for the time being. Brooklyn will play Boston on Wednesday. The Magic will play the Raptors on Wednesday. The two teams will still face each other. The Magic are still more than capable of beating Brooklyn. If they could stay within that half game, they still control their own destiny. Magic have not given that part of the ship up yet. This is not a devastating loss in that sense. But there's really no breakdown here to say. There's really no saying, oh, this this is a part of the game where the Magic did this or did X, Y, and Z. This was a game where the Magic just got beat. They didn't do the things they know they have to do, the things that are necessary. And frankly, that's the part that is concerning. Beating the Nets and Kings is necessary. Don't get me wrong, we should have and rightfully did break those lo- break those wins down, celebrate what did what went really well, but at least in my mind, even with the injury, even with the emotions coming from the injury to Jonathan Isaac, I felt the Magic were poised to compete and prove they belonged. And really, that's what the Magic's goals are for this campus setting, for the NBA campus for the rest of the season, to prove they belong. Tuesday night, they certainly did not do that. We'll review the box score here in a second and talk a little bit more on that issue. But first, sports are back. It is such a relief. As bad as the Magic played, it was still entertaining. It was still fun to watch sports. You flip on the, the, the games throughout the league. It's fun to have afternoon basketball. I love afternoon basketball. We've been waiting for this day for so long. But we all still want to get in the game. We all still want to jump in and have our say and have and do our part or you know feel like we have a little bit more invested than just our home team. That's where my bookie comes in. It is the home run slam dunk triple overtime game winning shot all wrapped into one. My bookie has up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams and with the start of Major League Baseball, now the NBA, NFL around the corner, the NHL has started. It's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, and they pay. If you're feeling good about your team's chances, you can still bet on the winner of the NBA Finals as well as the World Series and a whole lot more. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on the team, even as the season has just begun. But why stop there? Smart bettors are always looking towards the future, and in this case, that means plenty of basketball, plenty of hockey, and plenty of football too. My bookie's already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today, and my bookie will match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss you a free, free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. This is Jake from Locked On. 
Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Let's dive into the final box score from Tuesday's game. Not a lot say like I said this this game was fairly straightforward um, unfortunately and the Magic just didn't play with the right energy intensity and effort um, early on in the game they didn't play with the physicality they let Indiana kind of do whatever they wanted Indiana staked a big lead and it was just kind of cruise control for the Pacers from there every time Orlando seemed to make a little bit of a push the Pacers made a good play um, or, or made a shot you know or you know the Magic just made a mistake um, you know again I felt like once Orlando got down, they hit kind of. They there's part of it was not apathy, but they weren't desperate. They didn't play with urgency, um, and then some guys were playing just desperate and just kind of wildly going into the into the lane. Orlando never really got a rhythm in this one. Maybe in the fourth quarter they picked up a little bit of steam, um, but it was it was just not a good game and a lot of a lot of problems um, throughout the game for a lot of players on the team. Um, my player of the game is Aaron Gordon. I thought he actually was one of the few guys that seemed to be playing with any effort and, and energy early on in the game. Um, you know, he got caught a little bit on his back foot a few times against TJ Warren, but Warren hit some tough shots over him too. I thought, you know, I, I actually thought Gordon did a lot of his job, you know, maybe not fully engaged and intense on Warren, um, but I felt like especially second half, early second half, he really made it a point to go after Warren and, and, and slowed him down just a little bit. I mean, I mean we're talking about T, you know T.J. Warren's probably the, playing the best best of any player in the bubble at this point uh, with with some of the numbers that he's put up. Twenty points for Aaron Gordon, eight for fifteen shooting, two for five from beyond the arc, seven rebounds, two for four free throws. Probably says something about his focus there. Um, seven rebounds, three assists. He did commit five fouls, got in foul trouble, and and really the Magic were starting to make a little bit of a push early in the third quarter. Uh, and then Gordon picked up his fourth foul, and Steve Clifford had to take him out. They put Wessawundu on on TJ Warren, and that was kind of the game right there. Um, you know, TJ Warren just feasted on on Wessawundu, and Wessawundu's a good defender, but he doesn't have the strength and, and size to kind of deal with a guy like Warren. And so that was a big loss. And I mean, this is that's that, I and mean, honestly, that's where you see the loss of Jonathan Isaac more than anywhere else. That's where you see. Um, the team needing that little bit of size on the perimeter and on the wings um, that that they didn't that they don't otherwise have. I mean, being again, they're without Isaac now. They're back to being down an entire position. You know, they could use Al Farouk Aminu. I mean, he, he would be a stabilizing defensive force. You could throw him on a guy like T.J. Warren, and he can match up, and you can give Gordon more freedom to to work offensively. Um, again, I thought Aaron, like he did against Sacramento, did a very good job being aggressive and assertive, trying to get to the basket. 
Um, I, I think there was certainly moments, especially in the second quarter, where he started to settle for his jumper and tried to dribble around too much. Definitely something that needs to be weeded out and cut out from his game. Uh, you know, that's, 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 that's my big criticism of his. Um, but again, it, it felt like he understood that he was the one that, was, that had things working, and so he had to force things to, to kind of get the team moving again. Um, you know, is that really what he should be doing? I, I am not 100% sure on that either. Uh, but, you know, I, I, give, I give Gordon the credit for, for, for working and, and, for, and for trying and, 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 for, and for kind of keeping, the, keeping his energy up. He wasn't able to lift other energy up, but he was able to keep his energy up. And I, I think that was noticeable. Um, like I said, the Magic kind of no-showed the first quarter. I actually joked with, with a co-worker while, uh, while, while we were watching the game that, um, you, know, you know, I think the lesson from these first three games is if the Magic are going to no-show a quarter, might as well be the fourth because <laughs> um, the Magic no-showed the fourth quarter against both Brooklyn and, uh, and Sacramento, essentially. Um, no-showing the first quarter put them in too deep of a hole to come out of. Um, the Magic did stabilize, um, you know, and, and, and you know, I'll... I don't consider it a moral victory, but I do give them credit for stabilizing and for fi- and for fighting. I mean, eventually, other players started to kind of pick up their energy and started to find themselves. The defense started to play a little bit better. Just not being ready from the start just killed them. And again, every time they made a run, they made the same critical mistakes. They would let a point guard get into the lane. They would let, you know, they they would break and tame. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't play with the physicality they needed. It was. It was just it was just multiple breakdowns everywhere defensively, and everyone was to blame. Again, like Aaron Aaron Gordon, I thought was the Magic's best player in this game, but he made plenty of mistakes on his own too. He didn't do everything that he needed to do, um, especially against T.J. Warren. Um, Nikola Vucevic though uh, really lifted the team in the second half, especially twenty four points, ten rebounds, two assists, um, nine for sixteen shooting, two for four from beyond the arc. You know, did a lot of the normal Nikola Vucevic things. Struggled early on. The Magic actually got him some really good looks, um, and he missed them. And again, when when the Pacers went up ten nothing, it felt like the Magic just needed one shot to go in during that run, and they might have been able to kind of stem the tide a little bit. They might have been able to kind of slow things down. But again, everyone. This isn't just Vucevic. Everyone was just not their heads just weren't in the game. Uh, that's or that's what it looked like. Uh, it they just didn't play with the focus and intensity. That they're going to need. And again, that's going to be a big topic of discussion coming out of this one. Uh, Terrence Ross off the bench with 20 points. 4 for 10 shooting. 3 for 8 from beyond the arc. 9 for 9 from the foul line. Ross got a lot of his work done late in the game. Um, I didn't think his shot selection was particularly good. Um, you know, fourth quarter started making some baskets. He was able to get to the foul line, obviously, with getting fouled on three-pointers. Um, but the important point that I think comes out of this is, and this is regardless of anything else, if the Magic are going to have success against quality teams, they're going to need both Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier to be very to be good. Um, maybe not very good. Probably, you know, Terrence Ross was certainly a key to the Magic beating the Pacers twice last year. But they're going to need those two guys to be solid because those are their best shooters, and, and, and they spread the floor for everyone else. And I think they give everyone else confidence when they know that they have those two guys making shots. Evan Fournier had his worst game in a long time. Um, you know, and, and I saw all the Evan Fournier haters out there who are just, just relishing a bad game from Evan Fournier, a rare bad game from Evan Fournier, because he's been very, very, very good this year. But Evan, obviously, Magic need him to score. That is his role on the team, and when he does not score, he is not doing his job. That is that is just a plain fact. Fournier just 2 for 10, 7 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, some 4 shots. Everyone was trying to make something happen. Again, the Magic's 
uh, assists were way down. 21 assists on 39 field goal makes. Tells you, you know, the Magic do need to move the ball a little bit better. Their ball movement was not great in this game. They missed some shots that they, that, that you know, that would have bumped those assists up, obviously. Um, 4D missed his share, too. And, and it's just, you know, when you work hard to get an open shot, you got to make it, especially with this team with so few shooters. You need your shooters to make shots. And, and so that was, that was difficult as well. Um, another guy that I thought played pretty well, James Ennis, 12 points, 5 for 9 shooting, uh, dislocated his finger and still still came in and played pretty well. Four rebounds, two assists for him. Um, you know, he fills in gaps. You're, you shouldn't be relying on him to create his own shot or to, or to, to be much of a spot-up shooter. Um, but he did a really good job attacking attacking the offensive glass, cutting it, and making himself available. That, that's kind of what he does. Markel Fultz off the bench in 23 and a half minutes, or almost 23 and a half minutes. 10 points, 4 for 9 shooting, 2 for 2 from the floor. Three assists as well. Really, I mean, Fultz has found a little bit of a groove offensively. Um, you know, his jumper is starting to, to get back to kind of normal. He hasn't missed a three uh, since the campus opened or since games opened within the campus. Um, so that is certainly a good sign. You know, I, I think Fultz, you know, played, you know, was able to find his own offense. But this was not a good Fultz game. Um, you know, I have to say, I, I just honestly, I would honestly say this is one of the worst Markel Fultz games that, that he's played in a Magic uniform. Um, defensively, he was just not engaged. Um, and again, when your point guard is not able to get stops, when your point guard's not able to keep opponents out of the lane, that breaks everything down. You know, the whole thing tumbles if that happens. And Fultz just not doing a good job staying in front of his man. Um, you know, I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't know what it was. Um, it just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't a good game. And again, that's emblematic of larger problems. Not that DJ Augustine was a whole lot better. Just one for four for him, two points as well. Not just not a great game all around from the Magic's guards. You know, Fournier, honestly, Terrence Ross, DJ Augustine, Michael Carter Williams only played eight minutes with a sore leg. They certainly missed his presence and his energy. I thought when he came in in the first quarter, he actually gave a little bit of energy. You know, the Magic need these guys to play well. They need everything to really work and for all the pieces to fit together to beat these quality opponents. I mean, they could, you know, they could have probably found a way to beat Sacramento or Brooklyn with the way they were playing. You know, may, you know, again, every game is different. Um, every opponent is different. But this Indiana team, they're, they're clicking on all cylinders. They're playing at a very, very high level. And that was abundantly clear. The Orlando Magic shoot 47.6% from the floor. That's not a terrible percentage. Just 35.3% from beyond the arc, 12 for 34 19 for 23 from the foul line. Orlando scores 109 points. They do a lot of really good things. They were able to right the ship offensively. They were able to, you know, string together long stretches of solid defensive possessions. But the hole was too big, and every time they were about to kind of get over the hump to make a real push, a real threat to the lead, they would make a mistake. They would make a late, a lackadaisical play. I don't want to say lazy, but a lackadaisical play. Just not precise at all with what they were doing. And it just, it just felt, I mean, honestly, you know... It, it felt like they abandoned the game plan uh, very early on. They got punched and they just kind of start, started playing, not pickup style because it's a little more organized than pickup, but it didn't feel like they, they were really honed in on the, on the game plan and on the strategy like they were on Sunday. Um, you know, Aaron Gordon even suggested maybe they're resting on their laurels a little bit after the two big wins. The Pacers shoot 54.8% from the floor, 13 for 33 from beyond the arc, so they cooled off considerably in the second half from beyond the arc. 15 for 19 from the foul line. They only get two offensive rebounds, but again, they, tur- they turn um, 18 turnovers and 23 points. Very uncharacteristic game for the Magic. You know, just look no further than the turnovers. Magic turning the ball over a lot. That is just not something they do, and, and the Magic did that a lot here. The Magic do make the score look a little bit more respectable than it should have been. 
They fall to the Indiana Pacers 120-109. to They're back in action on Wednesday against the Toronto Raptors, and it's another chance to step up and show that they are truly playoff-worthy. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. The whole Orlando Magic season has has been about a few things. Um, you know, the, the, this, this Orlando Magic team had great ambition. They didn't want to just make the playoffs again. That was the baseline goal, of course. They wanted to get there in advance. They wanted to be better than they were last year. They wanted to improve. And even though that reality in the standings is no longer true, and they can't climb to sixth. They, 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 there's no way they could get to sixth. Even though it is true they cannot reach last year's heights, the 42-40 and 40 record, all they could do is match their seeding at 7th. The Orlando Magic still have big goals. It's the one thing that I think Steve Clifford has done uh, so effectively for this team. Is he has changed the standard and expectations for this group. Yes, that's maybe a little bit contradictory that they expected to do more. Um, they wanted to do more. Um, and, and, and they've fallen a little bit short of that. But as they prepare to enter the campus setting, the drumbeat that Steve Clifford has said is our goal is to, is to finish seventh, obviously, to, to compete, but to make the playoffs again, be more competitive than they were last year, and make some noise. Steve Clifford said he truly believes this team can do damage. Maybe that's coach speak. Maybe he's pumping them up. Maybe he's, you know, trying to... You know, trying to say say this team is better than it actually is. You know, because he he needs his team to believe it, even if it's if, even if it's not true. Look, we're under no impression on, on this analysis that the Magic are going to beat the Toronto Raptors or Milwaukee Bucks. It, it's certainly possible. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's unlikely. The goal, though, is to be more competitive in the playoffs this year. To use the experience from last year to give this a better run. To give yourself a better chance. That is the framework upon which everything is built in this season and in the remainder of this season. This that is, you know, again, I I, I talk with a lot of people about this, and everyone wants to skip to the off season, and that's fine. I, I get that. There are big questions to ask in the off season, and they're, they've gotten a lot bigger since Jonathan Isaac's injury. We will address those when the season's over. Nothing to match, and as I've said many times, certainly during the hiatus. Nothing the Magic do in this campus setting, again, maybe accepting the Jonathan Isaac injury, nothing the Magic do 
is going to change the outlook or the conclusions that this team has to make and how they're going to get better. We're not ignoring those issues. We're not skipping over that part of the story. But for the team inside the campus, the goal is very simple. To make the most of this team. To make the most of this season. And the way that Steve Clifford believes that they can do that is to make the playoffs again as the seventh seed and make a little bit of noise. Win a game. Win two games. Make it a series. Make the Raptors sweat a little bit or do what seems unthinkable and beat them. That, that, that should be the only focus at this point. Clifford knows to do that. However, the Magic need to be playing their best basketball as the season comes to a close, just like they would have would have had to in April. The only way to do that is to be playing well enough to do it. It's not something that can get handed to you. It's not some uh, some switch you can flip on. You got to earn every step of it. And that's what made Tuesday's loss so disappointing. Is that's not how playoff teams play. Playoff teams don't just show up for the bad teams and beat them. Although that is the way in. That is how you you get in by beating the teams you're supposed to. You climb the standings by beating some of the teams you're not. And so... The Magic once again failed this test. And and, and I'm, I will say it that way. Failed this test. Because the Magic have only five wins against teams with records above 500 this season. Five wins. That is the fewest of any team in the bubble. Of the 22 teams currently playing the NBA season, the Magic have the fewest wins against teams with records above 500. They've done very good against the teams like the Brooklyn Nets and the Sacramento Kings. They have not done well against teams like the Indiana Pacers, the team that the Magic thought they were equal to back in November. They have struggled, you know, they've struggled against those teams, like the Toronto Raptors for sure, lost three three to them. Like the Boston Celtics and Philadelphia 76ers, the two other teams that they will play before their season begins to wind down with that Monday, or with that Tuesday game against the Brooklyn Nets. That's circled very, very much on the calendar for a one o'clock start. The Magic have to find a way to raise their game and raise their intensity to a playoff level. Because with only the best teams now inside the campus, every game has that feeling of playoff intensity. Friday's game felt very intense. Magic played Sunday's game against Sacramento like it meant something. They can raise that level. They can play at that level at that level. They can play as a playoff team with playoff intensity. But the problem for the Magic has been it hasn't always been consistent, certainly not this season. And there's the big question of can they do it in the postseason? Something they struggled with last year. Nikola Vucevic, you know. Famously floundered. Evan Fournier struggled even more than he did during the regular season in the playoffs. Really, the only player that lifted his game up to a playoff level was Aaron Gordon. Playoff Aaron Gordon was a joy to watch. He played exceptionally well. And was one of the few players for the Magic that really acquitted himself well. To be sure, 
Guys like Evan Fournier, guys like Nikola Vucevic want to get back to the playoffs to prove that the 2019 postseason was their fluke and that they can they can lift their games up too. But there's no time to waste. There's no time to dawdle on that. Too much is at stake and too much is on the line. The Magic cannot ease their way into the postseason. They've got to fight and earn their way in. That is the only way. That's the only way they're going to beat these teams. Like Indiana. Like Toronto. Like Philadelphia. Like Boston. Like, perhaps, Milwaukee. If they want to equip themselves well in the playoffs, it takes a 48-minute effort. If they want to equip themselves well in the playoffs, if they want to raise their game to a new level, it's going to take something a lot different, a lot better than what they showed Tuesday. In fact, what they showed Tuesday can never happen again. They have to be dialed into their game plan, playing with intensity and focus, or they're going to get embarrassed. And that is the last thing this team wants. That is the last thing this team needs, to go through this whole journey to get back to the playoffs, only to get embarrassed. This is a young team. They want to show growth. And the only growth that's left is in the postseason. And so, you got to start playing like it. The playoffs have started. Look at Phoenix. Look at how Devin Booker is carrying that team and giving them a chance. Look at how Damian Lillard's carried Portland back into the playoff picture. The teams that are floundering are the young teams that aren't experienced, that don't understand, that are trying to ease their way in. I mean, even Milwaukee. They've clinched the first seed. They don't need to play very much. They don't need to play their, their starters in the second half. They're, they're focused on kind of a longer picture. You don't need to worry about them. Dallas has kind of floundered in this setting. Indiana has had T.J. Warren step up and carry that team through stretches. They're, you watch that team, they looked playoff ready. They looked like they were ready to go. Orlando didn't. Orlando looked slow. Orlando looked completely unaware, completely disorganized. It's time for that to stop. You're in the postseason already. Every game matters. Every game has urgency. And if you want to beat the Raptors like you want to on Wednesday, it's going to take a hell of an effort. An effort that this team hasn't given yet or given consistently. And maybe that's the real failure of this season. That the Magic didn't figure that out sooner. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter there at omagicdaily. We'll be back tomorrow with a complete recap of the Orlando Magic's game against the Toronto Raptors. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.